This is HPR episode 1728 entitled Requested Topic, Favorite Browser Extensions. It is hosted by first-time host Finn and is about 20 minutes long. The summary is, Finn talks about his favorite browser extensions. This episode of HPR is brought to you by anhonesthost.com. Get 15% discount on all shared hosting with the offer code HPR15. That's HPR15. Better web hosting that's honest and fair at anhonesthost.com. Hi, this is Finn. Welcome to Hacker Public Radio. I'd like to talk to you about browser extensions. This is one of the requested topics listed at hackerpublicradio.org. My browser of choice is Firefox. I choose Firefox because I like what the Mozilla Foundation do. Chromium is a good alternative to Firefox, Chromium the open source project that is. I find the available extensions to be generally better on Firefox than Chromium. Also, Ahuka did a show on Hacker Public Radio recently where he talked about certificates and he mentioned that Firefox handles security certificates slightly better than Chrome or Chromium. So that backs up my choice. The extensions I use in Firefox are primarily geared towards security and privacy while browsing the web. The extensions I use in Firefox are primarily concerned with privacy and security. So when I do a fresh install of Firefox or I install a fresh Linux distribution that includes Firefox, one of the first things I'll do is go and install some extensions. In no particular order, I will install NoScript. NoScript is available from the Mozilla plugin website. They have a nice informative web page as well at noscript.net. If you do install NoScript, it will automatically redirect your homepage to their homepage occasionally. This is a bit irritating, but Considering it's um, free software as in free of charge to download and install, and they make what I think is quite a good piece of software, I can deal with them asking for donations every now and then, which is how I perceive their redirection to their homepage. So what does NoScript do? NoScript blocks JavaScript. It also blocks Java and Flash and other plugins that have security issues. For me, I primarily use it to block JavaScript and Flash. Now this isn't to say that NoScript prevents all JavaScript and Flash and these other plugins that it blocks permanently. There is a nice feature where you have a drop-down menu by default in the main bar at the top of the window with Firefox. On my screen it generally appears to the right of the search field and that allows you to micromanage your scripts. So if I visit a web page and for some reason the page is completely blank or there's obvious content missing or some formatting issues. Generally it's because that website is using a script for these purposes. So what I'll typically do is I'll look at the list of scripts that are blocked through this menu that are blocked by NoScript and I'll start off by 
temporarily allowing the top level script. So for example, if I go on the noscripts.net page, I see that there is one script on the page according to the drop down menu and the script is coming from noscript.net. So the, the menu from NoScript in the browser, the, the browser plugin that is, sorts the scripts by what domain the scripts are coming from, which is particularly useful for my purposes as I'll explain as I go along. So the way I have NoScripts configured and you can change this is that when you select the script that you want to enable from the drop down menu, it automatically then refreshes the page. So then I instantly see the content that may or may not be missing according to that particular script. As far as noscript.net is concerned, they only have scripts from noscript.net. And to be honest, upon allowing that script, I don't perceive any usability changes to the website. So I'm going to go back to the noscript menu and then click forbid noscript.net. So that will once again forbid the scripts on this page and refresh the page. And so I'm not missing out on this particular page with any scripts, which is what I like to find. And to be honest, looking at noscript.net before having enabled any scripts, I would not assume that I'm really missing anything. Everything appears to be there, the page appears to be correctly formatted, and so I'm happy with it. What I typically like to use NoScript for is websites that embed scripts from other websites. So for example, you might visit a page and there's some social media links on the page. And what those pages typically do is report to those particular social media websites where you are. They say, oh, this user has accessed this web page and this is their IP address, I presume. They might even set a cookie, things like that. It's a form of tracking, basically. I prefer not to be tracked by websites that I'm not specifically visiting especially social media websites which I intentionally choose not to use for the purpose of protecting my own data. And so if I visit websites with scripts from other domains such as Facebook, Twitter, Google, I'd rather not have those websites know I'm there. The extent to which these websites can track you by other means, other than scripts, um, maybe the website you're visiting that has these scripts on other websites will report your ID address to other domains anyway. I don't know, but having a small measure of protection certainly sets me at ease ever so slightly. Another nice feature of NoScript is its flash blocking capabilities, which I appreciate for the blocking of flash on websites that have flash ads, or maybe they have some other flash content that's obtrusive and not relevant to the main content of the web page. And so Flash is typically replaced with a, a box taking up the same amount of space on the page that the Flash element would. And if you do want to run the Flash element on the page, you can simply click that box and typically a pop-up will appear from NoScript saying, you know, are you sure you want to do this? And you can just click proceed or, or whatever the box is to continue and execute that Flash and it will do that for you. This is something I might use on a website like YouTube where, for example, if you enable no scripts, it's really not a useful website. So at the very least, you would want to enable scripts from YouTube.com. Now, YouTube has a number of scripts from other domains as well. Typically, there's a domain YTiming, I believe, YTiming.com. And that will allow YouTube to execute scripts that 
handle playlists for example so if you want to watch a playlist on YouTube you would also need to enable that script but this enables me to leave scripts disabled for example any scripts from google.com um, which then would run other scripts which includes their APIs for Google Plus which means I miss out on the comments but you know who's really that interested in the bottom half of the internet anyway especially on a website like YouTube. No scripts has some other nice features like there's a whitelist um, built in so you can have scripts permanently allowed from websites that you visit regularly and you trust their scripts. Um, I believe there are other options for information in the status bar of Firefox um, which I don't use and pop-ups to alert you when scripts are being blocked. I know that I'm always blocking scripts so I don't use that feature either but it's there if that's something you think would be useful to you. So once again noscript.net if you want more information about it go there or just head over to the Mozilla plugin website and grab it, install it, see how you go. I think that's about enough regarding NoScript so I'll move on to a, again in no particular order one of the other browser extensions that I always install with a fresh Firefox or fresh distribution that includes Firefox and that is HTTPS Everywhere. Now HTTPS Everywhere is very simple it just redirects you to the secure version of any website that you attempt to visit. Um, if there is no secure version I believe it will just default to you to the HTTP version of the website but typically these days websites have a secure version so you can access it via HTTPS instead. It's just a convenience plugin so I don't have to type HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash www dot and then the rest of the domain name for every single website I want to visit. Now obviously the secure version of a website uses encryption end-to-end -end between well your, between your browser and their server so someone who's interested in what you're up to would be able to see which websites you're visiting they just wouldn't necessarily be able to see the actual pages being transported from the server to your browser and any form data for example that's going from your browser back to the server. Now HTTPS everywhere is slightly different from the other plugins that I typically use and that it's not on the Mozilla plugin website. It comes directly from the EFF, the Electronic Frontier Foundation. You can find them over at EFF.org but I typically just search for HTTPS everywhere and that takes me directly to their page with um, one-click installs for the plugins. They also do a version for Chromium so if you do happen to be using Google Chrome slash Chromium you can install it on that browser too and I believe also Opera. There's not really much more to say about HTTPS everywhere so I'll move on to my third plugin that I install habitually on Firefox which is Adblock Edge. Now Adblock Edge might be a bit overkill considering I've already got no script installed but it's a habit of mine and it's a nice ad blocking tool. You might want to use just Adblock Edge without no script if you're purely interested in blocking ads and not so concerned with scripts generally. So what Adblock Edge does is very similar to another plugin that I'm aware of called Adblock Plus. If you're interested in ad blocking you might have already heard of Adblock Plus but you might not have heard of Adblock Edge. Now as far as my understanding goes Adblock Edge is a fork of Adblock Plus to make up for Adblock Plus's omission of certain ads and certain websites. Google is one that I'm aware of, I'm aware there are others. So Adblock Plus has a default built-in whitelist which allows a set of ads through. It deems them unobtrusive, it has a certain set of rules as to whether ads are particularly intrusive or not and will let certain ads through 
if they adhere to this set of rules that they've come up with. From my understanding, Adblock Edge doesn't have a similar set of rules for unobtrusive style ads. It just straight up blanket blocks all ads, or at least all ads that it can detect. Now, you might be more interested in Adblock Plus if the main reason you want to block ads is for their intrusive nature on many websites. Personally, I find even unobtrusive ads may include some kind of tracking nature to them. For example, if it's a Google ad, Google will know that you're on that web page, or at least they'll know that you know you, as an IP address is on that web page, they may already have collected other data on you, so have a bigger picture of who you are based on that IP address. And so this is another thing that I like to try to avoid if possible. So I'll just leave all ads blocked, just to be as safe as I can. The final plugin I'll talk about today is a recent addition to the set that I like to install. It's called NoSquint, and what that does is basically set a default zoom for all web pages globally in Firefox. So what I find I would often be doing was I like to use the shortcut Control Plus rather than the menu, but however you do it, I find myself zooming lots of pages. I find the default size of text on many web pages is too small for my comfortable viewing distance from the screen. And so no squint allows me to not have to do that anymore. I just go to whatever website I happen to want to look at and the default zoom is slightly more than well what the website was designed to be viewed at. Unfortunately this results in slightly overlapping elements on some pages but then you can just zoom out again. I generally set no squint to 130% default zoom, so that allows me a comfortable zoom for the text and images for the distance I like to sit from the screen. You could obviously set that to something different, um, depending on what display I'm looking at, if it's a particularly small display, so zooming in too much means that you miss some of the content, it gets pushed off the edge of the screen. I'll set the zoom slightly lower, so on a small laptop I have, I generally set the zoom to about 115% by default. Either way, slightly larger than normal, slightly more comfortable reading. So that rounds out the set of extensions I like to install in Firefox every time I install Firefox. There is a number of other extensions that I don't use but have used, and I think it might be worth mentioning, at least mentioning my reservations, just in case you're interested in trying these extensions out and want a bit more information about them. Or maybe you use them and you have some pros that I've missed and some alleviations for the cons that I highlight, so please feel free to record a response podcast to this, a follow-up, or contact me. My contact details will be at the end of the podcast. Anyway, let's cut to the chase. Um, Libra.js, another way of blocking JavaScripts on websites that may be undesirable. Libra.js is from the GNU project. It is designed to block not only any scripts on a web page, like no script, it will block specifically non-free JavaScript. And so what they deem to be non-free JavaScript is any JavaScript that's been obfuscated in some way, there's a kind of compiled version of JavaScript that is kind of minified so the browser can potentially execute it faster than it might be able to execute the JavaScript normally. Um, but obviously that obscures the actual source code um, of the JavaScript so you couldn't necessarily just read the script that your browser is executing from the source of the page and understand what's going on there. So Libra.js will try to identify scripts like that and block those. And it does a very good job at that. 
Unfortunately for my use, I found its script blocking to be a bit too heavy-handed. I mean, of course, it does its best to identify what scripts should be blocked and blocks the relevant ones and allows other scripts through. Unfortunately, I found that some websites that I like to use or need to use have scripts on them that are non-free scripts. But within Libra.js, it's very hard to micromanage your scripts, as I described with no scripts. So if I wanted to allow some scripts on a website to allow me to use the website, even if they're non-free scripts, it was kind of an all-or-nothing experience, from what I recall. So it was allow scripts from this website, all the scripts from this website, in which case you get all the non-free scripts that are undesirable, along with the non-free scripts that I needed to use. And it was kind of difficult to micromanage. In addition, Libra.js provides what I think is quite a nice feature in that it tries to search the website for any contact so you can let them know that they're running non-free scripts if, perchance, they don't already know that they're running non-free scripts or maybe they're unaware of the issues around free software. And it will prompt you, if you wish, with those contact details. And the way to get to those contact details is a tab on the right-hand side of the page labelled Complain. So the implication there is that you would complain to the website owner or the website developer, whoever's maintaining the website, whatever contact details Libra.js manages to lift out of the website in order for you to let them know that they're using non-free scripts and try and encourage them to change their JavaScript and make it free software. So I found Libra.js to be an extremely noble cause, like most of free software, but unfortunately, like some free software I run into, and I'm talking about free as in freedom now rather than free as in free of cost, Libra.js just crosses the line of usability. So, yes, I can still use the internet, yes, I can still view web pages, but a lot of web pages that I needed to use or, or wanted to use, they just weren't useful anymore, so I couldn't use them um, for whatever reason. Although NoScript, that I talked about at the beginning of this podcast, does block scripts in the same way that Libra.js blocks scripts, it doesn't make the distinction between free JavaScript and non-free JavaScript. I did try using the two in conjunction so that I knew Libra.js would be blocking non-free scripts and NoScript would be blocking all scripts. So I could do what I was usually doing with NoScript, micromanaging which scripts I enabled and which scripts I didn't, so that the top-level scripts typically of a website that had JavaScript on I would enable, and that would get most of the content going, usually fine. Maybe I'd have to enable one other script from another domain to allow me to see more content or some embedded media. And then Libra.js would be kind of another filter on that, so if any of those were non-free scripts, they'd also be blocked, so that i kind of get the best of both. But unfortunately, this kind of combination just made websites basically unusable, or at least to the extent that I'd spend most of my browsing time managing scripts rather than actually consuming the content I was interested in. Well, that about covers the browser plugins that I like to use. This has been Finn for Hacker Public Radio, and I hope to speak to you again soon. If you have any comments or questions regarding this podcast, you can reach me at the email address finnisnow at sdf.org. That's F-I-N-I-S-N-O-W at sdf.org You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org 
We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.